Hello, hello. This is Peter. Welcome to the FN Rad Snowboarding Podcast. I'm Eric Trollson. Wow, this is a great way to climb mountains and come down, you know. For our reception, our Vulcan buddies brought acid. I was dropping in and snaking people and causing shit. And I remember calling on the radio and I'm like, Brushy, where are you? You know, Greg would do the tricks. He was kind of like the Tony Hawk of snowboarding. I mean, people just really gravitated to the backcountry. I liked Greg, but he didn't really care for me too much because I was a little shithead. This week's guest is responsible for so much of the direction snowboarding has gone in its first 40 years. From redefining new school freestyle to paving the way for aggressive trick innovation, Peter Lyon quietly created the specialist professional snowboarder by dominating the first wave of big air contests. All while helping to build the Forum Foursquare and Special Blend brands from the ground up. The music behind me is from MacDog's The Meltdown Project, specifically from Peter's part. We watched this part over and over to see which tricks were switch and reveled in Peter's ability to ride so smoothly and so definitively in his own way. Peter started snowboarding just a few hours from our headquarters here in Vancouver, B.C. The first time I kind of, I guess, quote, went snowboarding, um, I was like 12, I think, and I had a skateboard and we went to Mount Rainier and I tried to like ride it down backwards, but that didn't really work out very well. Um, but my real snowboard was the winter after. I got a Burton 140 Elite. It was like the blue one with the swallowtail and the fin. And the big giant three buckle bindings. I started uh, the winter after the license ill came out. And that came out yesterday, 30 years ago. So I'd be 86. Well, I, I just kind of started realizing that too. I was like, oh, I was watching snowboard videos then. Unless it was a year afterwards. 86, how old have I been? I would have been 12, that's crazy. I think it was that winter, that next winter. What were some of the first videos that you got to see? At the time, it was like just the Sims videos, which was like maybe the Sims video, I think it was called, maybe, and then No Days or something. And then, like, oh, jeez. I can picture them. But I like, actually started watching some of the videos before we even started. Like, like Tom Sims and Dave Weaver going down like a big powder hill, and then, like, Obviously, Terry Kidwell's like McTwist in the backcountry of Tahoe. It's like all those kind of videos before I even like set foot on a snowboard outside of my living room. So you were interested in it because you were a skater kid kind of thing in Seattle? Yeah, exactly. Um, my friends and I skated and like kind of skied a year or two before. And so then kind of got into skateboarding from uh, my friends up here moving into a different school. And this is kind of easy transition of all of us doing the same thing and it's kind of first year they had like a snowboarding in the, in the ski school the local ski school too so it was like really easy for the parents to kind of like okay get your kids some snowboards or rent them or whatever and put you in the ski bus every weekend so who was your first sponsor and was it like you and a bunch of your buddies and you all got like a shop sponsor um a little bit like my first kind of one which i kind of say is kind of because i don't know if it's really a sponsor is like looney tunes snowboard shop in kirkland but like they didn't really give me anything except for <laughs> stickers. Like, I even had to buy like a shop t-shirt type of thing, which is kind of bullshit. I mean, give me a pro form on a board. So I don't know if I'd actually consider that because I was really young and didn't really realize it's not really a sponsorship. It's just kind of like free advertising for that guy. But then I got back from Amateur Nationals and got like third and got sponsored by Greg's Greenlake, like a snowboard kind of bicycle shop. And the guy who started that thing started another shop. And I think right in there, as I started getting, like, kind of Division 23 stuff, I think, winter after that. 
like Steve Blakely stuff? Was that like that year where the yeah the year it started? So um, my one friend Terry uh, knew Greg DeLeo from Barfoot, who just started doing twenty three, and he pretty much called him up said he had to put this kid in a team. Greg listened to him and sent me aboard that summer when I was out being a digger at up in Whistler. You went up to Whistler, not down to Mount Hood. Uh, no, that year like I went up to Whistler. The year before, I was like kind of a camper at Mount Hood. Like we somehow got a discount because my friend would just drive us up to the mountain every day. It was like at Wendell's. So instead of taking a bus or something like that, we just my friend drove up, and then that kind of gave us the time to actually hang out the half pipe after everyone left. And that was kind of my first time meeting Kurt Heine, who I later film with every year until basically my retirement. In 1994, Peter's Division 23 boards were among the top-selling boards at the boardroom snowboard shop where I worked. The boards came in bright, glossy pastel colors like pink and blue and featured a simple rainbow with his name underneath. This graphic was redone by Forum and Capita as tribute boards and because the design is classic and timeless. As far as the pink and the rainbow goes, that was my idea. I didn't really know Photoshop and Illustrator skills at that time, so I'd have somebody else actually draw it up. And like did, something that's like the skull that, that were everywhere at the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Completely the opposite. But one of the smaller boards, I was obviously smaller dude, but then like with the kind of nose kick, is definitely a copy of Jamie Lynn's board that kind of had like a double kick on it. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I want to do that. That's the coolest new thing. But then also kind of wanted a low profile nose because I wasn't really a big powder and wetter guy at the time, so I didn't really need a big nose, but quickly learned that I needed a bigger nose on that board. You probably had a pretty good relationship with the Mervin guys, even though you never wrote for them. Before I got on Division 23, uh, I sent them like a sponsor me video or something, and I think they actually made reference to that at some point, like, yeah, Peter sent us to his resume video, we passed on it, and like, that shows how smart we are, something, like, something silly like that. Yeah, I don't think anybody really gets sponsored by sponsor new videos. I mean, sometimes the kids are like, whoa, actually, then you like, hit a rep to like, give them some product or whatever like that, I think that's like, maybe the most that's ever happened with those things, but I don't think it's ever been like, oh, shit, I mean, but... I mean, that's like the first step anyway. Then when like there's like a shoot or something out, reps um, territory is, and they're like, oh, can we bring out fucking Cameron or whatever? I'm like, sure. And then Cameron comes out, and I'm like, oh, shit, Cameron's killing it. Yeah. Next thing you know, he's on the B team. There's definitely been like a bunch of the rep writers that like, come up and become like the dudes, like Cameron Pierce and Stevie and all those guys, I think are all rep writers and small time dudes that kind of just came up and got bigger and bigger. We talked about Peter inventing tricks. I'd looked up the Misty Flip on Wikipedia thinking he'd invented it, but it was credited to Jason King. In that article, Wikipedia mentions Peter popularizing the trick in Trans World's video magazine, Volume 1. I don't know how Wiki says. Um, it was yeah. like corkscrew, like cork 5, switch cork 5, back cork 7, switch back cork 7. Um, at the same time, uh, Ali Goulet is doing something pretty similar. Um, so who's to say who's actually the first? He's a little bit different, but then he also only did it kind of back five-ish, but I did it all different ways possible, so I think I kind of, they call it cork now, so. I think, like, when it came out, it was a um, Toronto video magazine, where there's four a year, and then I think they actually did a, a full-length video at the end of that season. It's a long video part. Yeah. Um, so every time, like, the snowboard... Uh, Transworld Magazine will come out and have like, a different new variation because it's kind of progression throughout the year. Right. So since I learned at five, and I quickly learned it switch at five, and then a little bit after that, seven. Actually, I think it's the same video, seven, and then switch seven later in the season. I mean, I think at the time, um, people 
we're just kind of learning the seat or just kind of figuring it all out. And then the, the progression was quick because everyone, everyone had to learn the tricks like kind of like as soon as they come out and so they're kind of busy learning the tricks and before kind of inventing into the thing. I don't know, these days are still like kids like doing crazy new stuff. Yeah, it's crazy like these kids and they still, they still keep the style, which is awesome. Yeah. I respect that. Yeah, and that's definitely like a huge drawing to the sport that it doesn't have judges. Like you're the only judge you're having your own fun and like people... Yeah, so I can appreciate that's where it's kind of like a little more of an art, art form, sports type thing. Cause it's like no one's telling you what to do, or what's cool, what's not cool necessarily. What was it like to compete at that level? It must have been a bunch of years in a row where you were just following the competition circuit and and those big arena events. Yeah, I was never really really been a contest guy, but it kind of became like the big air became like the kind of new contest, and like well, that's my forte. It's kind of he just jumped three times and all I had to do is basically land it once. So I always had like the newest trick that I just chuck off of it and hopefully land. But yeah, like the whole contest scene, especially, I mean, X Games not, wasn't really as crazy. I mean, it was cool, but that's like mostly the like TV exposure type stuff. But like, there's the ones in Europe, the big stadium ones in Europe, where there's 25,000 people there, like cheering, you came and you keep your thoughts. And all of this is black with like a straight line to the jump and then there's a spotlight on you. And you just gotta, gotta gotta go do it. And so you can't even like think when you're dropping in. You just gotta gotta go off muscle memory, and hopefully you land it. Those are super fun. Was there overlap between you and Travis? In my mind, there uh, was... I think there's one contest I did like a Red Bull thing during the Salt Lake City Olympics. Um, there's like some wall ride to a jump type contest, but it was like an elimination round, which mm. I fucking hate because it pretty much keeps people doing that kind of stock shit just to get to the finals. So I'd always kind of do it the hardest trick and adventure would fall with the elimination round. Kind of hate that contest. I think I think he actually won it. I think he won it. That was like the first time I ever really kind of heard of the kid. What do you think of that whole Travis thing that he's got going? Um, I think he's an amazing snowboarder. He's doing something that hasn't been done before. I think it's pretty awesome the way he did it the first movie especially. Um, but it just kind of started becoming some sort of national geographic this is what snowboarders do like here's a snowboarder what they do type of thing to like a normal person like where i can just see like i couldn't sit through like it was like 15 minutes before i was even a snowboard shot in like a second movie i think like i, I can't even watch this it's ridiculous i heard this last movie is even worse so like i think it's from what i heard from like this about this last movie i don't probably much pretty much hate it as a snowboarder i think it's gonna kind of change his kind of trajectory of what he wants to do with it. Yeah, like him, like he made it like a big thing. And that's awesome. And he's an amazing snowboarder and has changed snowboarding so much. But the way he's doing his movies, is like it's made for like other people, not for snowboarders. I like keeping it in the, in the family. Did you ever go to the Supernatural events? Uh, I judged it one year, but then I kind of got hurt the day before, and so I didn't get to ride it after the contest was over, which I was kind of bummed on. It looks like so much fun if you kind of like slow down a little bit. Yeah. From some of those guys are doing, <laughs> or at least my level. A little slower than sending it to the bottom on some of those jumps, which you can easily do. Of course, it's really fun, though. Do you do any other judging stuff? Nah, that's really? not really my deal. So, from Division 23... Was Forum the next thing? Um, I was like 20 when that all kind of started coming around. Um, I was riding, they just started Foursquare, Raw Reese at the time. 
and Greg was just the president at Division 23, and those guys were friends. So they started talking with Mac Dog. Um, it's kind of like, hey, we should start a snowboard company. And so they just kind of came to me, offered me kind of help start up with them, just me being the rider, obviously, but like kind of getting ownership. We knew I could probably go to Burton for a bunch of money, kind of like the hot new shit at the time. Conceptually, it was brilliant. It was like successful first year. That's unheard of. No, yeah, they like Brawl's kind of pretty genius about that stuff. He was basically copied Steve Rocco from World Industries and kind of was hanging out with Steve at the time and kind of like picking his brand, how to do things. And it's basically, yeah, you, you create the riders, you don't buy the riders. Kind of with me and MacDog going out there and finding new young kids who are going to be the hot shit coming up instead of like going out and paying for the already expensive guys. Was there anyone that you would have put on the team that you just didn't ask? Like, who was in consideration for that Forum 8? Ingemar was always there at the beginning, um, but he was riding for Atlantis at the time, and he had pretty good kind of ties with them and didn't want to leave. And it could have been a thing, too, don't put all eggs in one basket. I mean, we watched, like, the videos, and that's where I kind of saw JP doing a bunch of switch stuff and so I got all this kid's good and like BJ I always kind of saw him riding around and like he'd always kind of like bum me out because he's riding so good and like the younger rider and so it's like whenever I get, basically kind of like during one of the whenever I'd be jealous of some other kid I'd put him on the forum team type of thing like nice. some kids are doing better than me something I just put him on like instead of like you know being against him I'll like have him join BJ right. I think we're both like hot hot or something like that you know, were hot too. I remember talking with Devin about the eggs in one basket thing he switched over to forum but he kept like maybe his boot sponsors yeah I think he stayed on DC when we started doing forum boots yeah if DC was around then you don't remember timeline that was his thing was he was like uh, if I go Burton I, I have to drop all my other sponsors he didn't seem like a Burton kid, though. Devin, he's not, he doesn't seem that way at all. I'm just a super motivated rider. Besides his park, he, he learned to hate park pretty quick. Did you ride with him a lot in those early years? Yeah, yeah. I rode with him in Division 23 days. Um, some shots from both of us up at Lake Louise from one of those one of those video stomping grounds or something, I think. And then, yeah, once obviously once we got back on forum, we always kind of rode up, up in Whistler and backcountry up there a bunch. Yeah, I heard. kind of a little bit different style of riding though. So like, he kind of like go off on his own thing, kind of more drop type stuff. To where I like always trying to find some weird jump type of thing. Cool. It wasn't quite his style, 100. percent And like, I don't really like to drop stuff. So I remember him mentioning that your sled was buried in his yard. I hated snowmobiles. They're just a means to get to the top of the hill, and then that's it. Like. It's not really I'm scared of, like, getting hurt or, like, hitting a tree or anything like that. It's more like you're side-hilling and you kind of mess up and I go down this valley and I get stuck down there and you can't get out or you get to, like, hike out or something or like, lose your sled or bury it and then you got to dig it out for, for like, two hours and you're sweating and then it's going to kind of ruin your entire day because totally. you're sweat all day and then as soon as, like, get back on it, like, you're freezing cold and you can barely ride. Yeah, and you're just so kind of gripped by the time you get to the jump from, like, doing some sketchy, like, traverses over top of some cliffs or whatever like that. Like, by the time you get there, you're, like, already lost all your adrenaline. Like, yeah. just want to take a nap. The first forum snowboards came out in 1996. Yeah, boards the first year completely sucked. They just fall apart and break, and 
yeah, I went through so many boards, and then the bases started peeling up. Fortunately, we had kind of like the, the marketing behind it for people to kind of trust year two, or year three, possibly, actually, at that point. How difficult was it for you to go from being a rider for a company to part owner? Even when we kind of started Fortwear, you didn't know it was, yeah, part owner of that, too. I don't know if it was like necessarily just being owner, just like having the chance to be involved with the company and like so the four square design a jacket and pants for the first year and the year after that progressed to like doing like the majority of the line and then grew from there to there to there to work i'd like to be involved with the companies whether owner or not but like being an owner obviously gave me that little bit of like this is my design do it type of thing over top of the employees it kind of gave me a little more clout to do my ideas which is kind of awesome obviously like with you know foursquare if someone didn't like my jacket or like his pocket was stupid or whatever i would care because it's something that i design and i kind of felt personal about and wanted to kind of perfect it the year after or i like, can prove on it so with the boards is obviously very similar feeling granted i had a little less touch with the boards besides just graphics and like kind of shapes and stuff like that the construction is obviously all factory so yeah, I mean, it's always like kind of bomb when some kid comes up to me and like, dude, I got your board and broke it two days later. Like, what the hell? I'm like, sorry. I don't know. Like, I don't, I'm not the engineer. Like, I've broken a bunch all year round, so it's like, not just you, buddy. And then when did you retire uh, from professional riding? Uh, I retired a couple times. Uh, first time I was like around 01-ish. But kind of retired from like kind of big X games and stuff like that around there. And then kind of but it only had like really small kind of video parts after that. And eventually kind of like took a hiatus from video parts until, I don't know, like 08 or something like that. Yeah. And then Forum Against Them came out. And so I kind of had like a little coming out again with Forum Against Them and um, the Fuck It after that. I had a little part in there. And then Petty Files was kind of a little joke part. After Petty Files, pretty much it then. What's a typical year of snowboarding for you like now? I was doing some photo shoots here and there with electric, like kind of go up to bald face or whatever, and like take the old man snowboarding, put a helmet on him, some goggles, and send him off a jump. <laughs> get a method shot. Yeah, um, so I don't know. Maybe that'll work again this year. It'll be awesome if it's powder day and they bring me back up there. But mostly just like, oh, powder day, I'm going to go head up the Alpental, ride some pal. Went with the kind on a trip to uh, Japan a couple of years ago. So it always kind of seems like there's like trips here and there that I go on. I heard about the Austria trip last year. It sounded like that was the best. To Norway. Norway, that was, that's Yeah, that was, uh, yeah this past spring. Uh, yeah, that's pretty funny. Like Terry and Johan were up there. That was pretty funny. Like the conditions were like whatever. Yeah. Uh, it was kind of like sloppy, slushy, rainy. But the crew is pretty fucking legendary for sure. Yeah, it's for like for Method Mag, so like they might have some things that kind of did some video stuff and some photo shoots. It's kind of funny. Let's talk about selling to Burton. Were you involved in that sale, selling for him to Burton? Uh, not really. That's like kind of pretty much the money dudes at the time, and like, and at the time we weren't doing so well. So like you just kind of start seeing it, kind of like employees leaving, employees dying and stuff. I'm always hopeful, but then, like, you know, you're down to, like, your last kind of employee, and then, like, oh, shit, what's going to happen here? But then, like, Burton comes in, and I was like, well, you know, it's better than selling to, like, a soy sauce company, you know? And, like, so, like, I bummed Burton bought you? It's like, no, like, they saved us. Like, we wouldn't even be around. So, like, even, like, when Burton put us under, like, a few years later, I mean, it's kind of thing as well, you know, it lasts a little bit longer. The give form to Peter hashtag, did that warm your heart? Uh, it was pretty cool, yeah. It was pretty funny. 
I knew it wouldn't go anywhere. <laughs> yeah, why do you think Burton made that decision? That I think it's also like um, look after number one, and I saw kind of Nike and Adidas coming in pretty tough, and Under Armour even. They all have like a lot of money, and like for a long time, like Burton was the one with the money and like kind of deepest pockets in the snowboard industry. Then they kind of saw those other kind of big companies putting a lot more money into it. And they're like, okay, they're coming after us. Like, we might as well protect our our walls yeah. and like forms, like doing our right. But so that's my guess. Um, and I kind of maybe foresaw kind of the industry kind of going as it is right now. How Burton is like kind of forced to kind of go into like apparel and kind of like mountain goods. They could have foreseen that coming also, and like form the same thing they couldn't go the whole ski route so in a smaller company that would have been hit first with the whole industry blah blah, blah type of thing so. were you involved in the burton forum like did they keep you on as a brand manager or a, as a designer um, at the, the no at the beginning like i was kind of like you know like another designer kind of in there uh, for foursquare I was just kind of doing little things here and there, like a, lot, a little line of stuff and kind of helping out a little bit here and there. Um, and then they kind of bring in the team every little once in a while to kind of go over some products or whatever and get some input or graphics or whatever, just kind of show the team stuff, do that type of thing. And then at the very end, they brought me in to become basically brand manager, creative director of Foursquare again. So they brought me into a trade show for like a kind of introduction to like all the reps and distributors and everything that I'll be doing the year after that. And then uh, the year Donna's home stage, like we love the program. The program's not going anywhere. And then less than a year later, they announced that they were shutting down the whole thing. So all my designs for Foursquare never really made it up anywhere. Peter grew up in the hometown of a certain legendary pro snowboarder. This interaction happened in the late 1980s. Bike Factory is kind of like a local skate snowboard shop, and I need to get, like, a stomp pad or something. And so, like, after dinner, my parents drove me by there to go run inside and grab a stomp pad, and then I had like, a, an autograph signing with Craig Kelly. There was, like, no one really in there, except for, like, kind of, like, the local shop dudes and Craig. And, like, I'm, like, a little kid that comes in, and Craig's kind of sitting there with, like, a poster and a pen. <laughs> and they're like, hey, do you want a, an autograph from Craig Kelly? I'm like, no, I didn't see a stomp pad. <laughs> so they're all, they're all like, embarrassed and shy. <laughs> I'm sure like Craig's sitting there like, God damn it, that one little kid comes and doesn't even want one. But that's that's fun. That that's happened to me before, so <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty bad sometimes. Oh, that's amazing, dude. So right now it's mostly Dekine. Mostly Dekine and that stuff. It's like really stoked on it, so I'm I'm pretty hyped. You know, we'll see do some other projects here in the future. Well thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me, man. Oh no problem. Nice talking to you, man. Alright, I'll talk soon. See ya. Alright, see Special thanks to Number One Cup for the Strange and Silent Staircase song off their album Love Your Early Stuff. This song was featured in Peter's part in Mac Dog's The Meltdown Project, which came out in 1995. Also, thanks a lot to Peter Lyme for talking with us. Be sure to come back next week for another episode of the Effenrad Snowboarding Podcast, brought to you by BR Productions.